0: Bible with me tonight to the book of Job, chapter 22. I so appreciate y'all being a part of what the Lord's doing by just attending church. We're ministering on you can know how your life will turn out. That seems like a really broad subject, but it's not that broad. It's uh, actually pretty narrow. You can know how your life will turn out, you can predict it. I told my dad this morning, he turned 91 today. And I said, uh, and of course, I wasn't being spiritual, I was being, but I told him, I said, you've you got some good genes to make it to 91, and, and uh, I, I, want, I want those. I want the good ones, hallelujah. Yeah. And, but I don't, I don't personally think we'll make it to, to that long, to 91. Uh, that's still a ways off, praise God. So you know how your life will turn out. It says in Job 22, verse 28, let's read it together in the King James. Ready? Read. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Well, let's put it in first person then. I shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto me, and the light shall shine upon my ways. That's just really powerful. It's just, it just sums up so much of the word, the the Amplified says something a little more, of course. You shall also decide and decree a thing. And it shall be established for you And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. So we're talking about things that at the end of a year, an end of a period, an end of a frame of life in the calendar, December's here, We start a new year in the new year. And there's some housekeeping that has to be done by all of us to go into the new year. There's just a natural expectancy in our world for everything new. In the fall, when school starts, everybody's that's a new kind of year. And when school lets out in the spring, well, you know, we it's summer's here, it's kind of a new start or a new opening for that. And so the kingdom has those things, and some things are set, some things. The Moed, Moed, is that right? Moeds, they're set in time. The Lord already knows when the Lord Jesus is going to come back. Hallelujah. So he's working everything around in that time frame. And he said that he didn't want us ignorant of that. So we can know the things that are unchanging. But other things are based on us, based on me and you. The word decide, you shall also decide and decree a thing. I wanted to look at that just for a minute tonight about you and I deciding. If we believe we can know how our life is going to turn out, then we have to decide how we want it to turn out. If God's not in control on the earth, that he's not robotically controlling us with a, uh, a radio controller, an RC joystick or whatever, if we're really on our own in the sense of he, he gave us the word and said work in this framework, then we have to decide. So I'm choosing. Whether you do it by deliberation, saying, I'm choosing this today, I'm going to do this or this. Or if you just default to whatever comes. I decided not to change it, so whatever comes just comes. But the word decide means to choose. And it also means to determine. So I like the word determine, where you set things in. You know, when you're building a fence, you, you dig a hole, you put the post in, and then you put the concrete in there so that it will stay. You decide this is where this post is going to be when you come back tomorrow. So thou shalt choose and decree a thing, or thou shalt determine and decree a thing. So it's up to me. It's up to you. Are we willing to take that much responsibility on? Don't we just like it when God's in control and It's just going to be good, and we're just saying God bless us and everything. Well, he's got that framework all around us, but he wants us to be aware of who we are and navigate with who we are. The word established, it shall be established for you. Decree or decide or determine, and it shall be established unto you. That word, I looked it up, and it means to confirm. It will be established. It will be confirmed unto you. So really, we are driving we really are steering. There's so many decisions to be made in a day, but the overall of them is that we're deciding which direction we're going to go. It also means accomplished, and it shall be accomplished unto you. Well, yay. I like that. I like the Lord being Lord and showing me what to choose and what to decide and what to decree. Uh so what does what decide and choose and determine and establish mean? It means that you and I have to meditate. I have to meditate. Well, however you do that, just going down the road or drawing off into your prayer t- closet or, or whatever, I have to meditate. We have to meditate the course we are going to take because the, the default is the world. If you don't choose, then we default to just have what will be will be, and that's what we'll have. So... I have to make a choice to determine my course, because if you don't, then there's a default and you just have whatever's left. So I want to talk just for a few minutes tonight about this subject of you can know how your life will turn out. I want to talk about the attributes of a vision. What does a vision inside you and me, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What, What are the conditions of it? What are the... What is the thing that puts my hands on the steering wheel? Because otherwise, I'm, over in, the drive, I'm on over in the passenger side, and I might nod off, or I might read a magazine. It just doesn't matter. I'm along for the ride. But if I'm steering, I better pay attention because we have to go to a certain defini- uh, destination. So I want to look just for a moment in Genesis chapter 37. Chapter 37 of Genesis. Go back to the book of Beginnings. And let's talk about some attributes or some foundations or some principles or even some laws about vision so that we're sure that we're making the choices, the determinations, according to God's plan. In other words, men don't like it, but we have to take out some instructions. The season for men is coming where you get to put together stuff that, without reading the directions. And then after everybody goes to back, back to bed, you read them and you put it together again. Hallelujah. I've done all those things. The only downside to that is that you know so much about a particular thing and nobody ever asks you again. And how would you do that? It's over forever. In chapter 37, verse 1 says Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Uh, these are the generations of Jacob. And go goes straight to Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. And they could not speak peacefully unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And Joseph dreamed a dream. So in adversity, Joseph dreamed a dream. Well, if you look in Second Timothy 3, you'll say, in the end time, perilous times will come. So we're in adversity. And we could say that uh, if, if you don't have a vision that draws fire, you don't have much vision. I, you don't like to say it, because, but I can say it here. We are created to be a little controversial. We don't fit. We're peculiar, but not weird. We have direction. We have confidence. We have the Lord is faithful. The Lord is leading us and guiding us. And that's so contrary to the church world. But that's who we are. And it didn't happen overnight. It should have. It could have. But we had to evolve to that. We had to work out our doubts and our troubles and our fears, and finally say, you know, the Lord knows best. I'm going to go with him the first time now. So if you don't have a vision, you don't have a vision if it doesn't draw some fire. What are you going to do? What are you going to be? What are you going to have? It's going to draw a little fire about that. Psalm chapter chapter 3, verse 6, let me just read it to you. It says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people, that have set themselves against me round about. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about. When you have a vision, you're on course. Yeah, every, every day is determined. Every day you're, you're about the vision. You're about the course. You're not wandering around till 1030 saying, I wonder what today's going to be like. You know what it's going to be like because you thought about it all night. You got up and met the vision, and uh, you, you set yourself to it. He said, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me roundabout. We're not afraid. That's why you're peculiar, is you're not afraid. We've just been through a, a, a pandemic of some kinds. Most people would say we're not through it yet, but uh, we're not afraid. Whatever your posture, whatever your strategy, whatever the plan that you went through, we got where we weren't afraid. Do you know any people that are just paralyzed still with that thing out there? So I'm going to say that a natural and a natural inclination, an ambitious outlook, a, uh, might be self-serving and not kingdom. In other words, we have to pull ourselves away from ambition and set our goal on the kingdom. The vision will look like ambition, ambition, but it is totally separate because ambition is self-serving and the kingdom is God-serving. So a vision takes you all the energy and the, and the emotion of having ambition, which we all do, should have, and it turns it a little bit and then immerses it in the kingdom, and it's called vision. So we don't have to give up anything. We just have to sanctify what's already in us and put our energy toward that. I wrote this down. I wrote down a lot of things. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to read them to you because they I just was in the Lord this morning. I just got before him and said, what about this? And this is what he told me. Your future starts with what you have seen that is not seen. My future starts with what is seen that is not seen. And that would describe a vision. No one else has seen it, but it's real to me. It's real to you, but nobody else has seen it. You're the only one that's seen where you're going and what you're going to do. And God will multiply the vision that no one else has seen except you. So my vision is inside of me and it's personal. It involves a lot of other people and I'll have to share my vision because there's people that are always involved with any man's vision. Joseph had a vision. He had a dream and it Took him through old Billy, you know, he was sold and he was uh, uh, in the dungeon for all that time, 15 to 20 years, until finally he was vindicated in that day. So we're talking about 20 or 25 years that he was the only one that saw it. And then one day he he interpreted the king's uh, dream. And it's so amazing that he said there will be seven very, very good years followed by seven very bad years. And, you know, that'll go for two or three years. You can say, well, Alabama's going to have a winning season for the next five years, and you can pretty pretty much get by with that. It's like, yeah, right. But after the seventh year when there was no crop, then the truth of the reality of the vision, the dream, came to pass, and they started paying attention. So your dream, my dream, my vision may not be justified or affirmed for quite a while, but you have to see it and keep looking at it and stir it up because it's not for that day, it's for another day. God will multiply your vision if you will look at it. And they'll always have circumstances, situations, and people that'll say, look at my dream, look at my situation. So, so vision leads us, it leads us, vision leads us. Vision is the GPS of our life. It tells you where you are, and if you'll give heat to it, it'll tell you where you're going. So we're not wandering through life just trying to get enough money to pay the bills, just trying to get our kids through school or whatever. Vision supersedes everything else. And all these things then draw from the vision, but it's the vision that keeps us going. And it doesn't have to be a profit to the nation's vision. It could just be what you're doing actually in your secular job, but unto the Lord. So you see it when nobody else is seeing it. So you look normal. But everybody knows you're peculiar. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a little bit. So uh, vision leads you where you've never been. I know that's true for me. And it leads you there to create what's never been or never had. So it's like the word of the Lord that came before we went to the word about trustworthy and trust him. And faithfulness. Uh, there's time involved in that, and if there's anything we don't like, it's t- it's time. We we want to believe God see it, and then have it, and then move on. That's that's how we all are. We we hate time, and time is it's a contrivance. God, there's no time in God. He put it in the earth, just like He put marriage in the earth and uh, uh, rec- procreation. He put all that there for us. There's none of that going on in heaven. There's no time in heaven. There's no, you know, all that in heaven in the sense of the heavenly place. When we come back on the earth, there will be, but not there. So it's all for earth, and we don't like, take, we don't like the time factor, but it doesn't bother God any. I want to tell you, I'm still looking 25 years later to what he sent me here for for it to unfold. And that seems like a long time. If you're, if you're living 300 years, it's not so bad. But, you know, if you're just going to make it to the end of time, 25 seems a long time, and it, and it hadn't showed up yet. But I've seen it. Have you seen something? Maybe not full, not in focus, not, but you know. You know there's something on you that's drawing you and pulling you, and you see it in a vision, but you can rarely ever ex- explain it. You can never, ever really lay it out and say, well, this happened and this happened and this is going to happen. So I would say that preparation time is never wasted time. He's taken you to a place where you've never been to create what you've never had. And it requires preparation. And sometimes it's like um, you just have to just have to walk it out in our world. We're very aware of our age groups. Scarlett and I was talking about it, you know, about how 60 used to be like, are they still breathing? They're 60, I heard, you know, that sort of thing. (laughs) Do they walk or do they, you know, whatever. And it's like 60, that's nothing. Grow up. You're not 60 yet. Well, grow up. Get. So our perspective changes. But preparation time is the hardest thing about time because we want to be getting on with our life. We just have so many years to, to make it, so to speak, in the world. And if you're going to make it, you better get on it because there's this time factor. But yet, we want to be about the kingdom business as well. But we need to be taking care of our retirement, taking care of our, our children, our grandchildren. All these things are competing for our time. And yet the Lord doesn't care. He just doesn't care. Take care of your grandkids. Take bank all the money you've got. Be ready. But he doesn't care about the time thing. He can do something in a moment. You know, money's everywhere and he can move money so fast that we should never think about money. Amen. So vision or this vision is is, uh, when you have a vision, you have passion. And that's how you can tell if you've got a vision. You get up and you think about it. You know, if you have a vision for raising children, well, that's what you get up and think about. If you have a vision for your business, that's what you you have a passion for that. But a vision from the Lord leans you over and draws you out to say, yeah, you got to go to work, you got to raise those babies, but the Lord has another process that's working on the other parallel track and he wants us to pay attention. Uh so vision is passion, but passion is power. Nobody gets anything done without passion. Even criminals have passion. Everybody has. Politicians have passion. They have wrong motives and wrong purposes, but a vision from God has passion. Have you got some passion? Could we, could we extract it from, out, out of us? I wrote down that, that vision reveals our choices, things you never had to decide, the vision will take you to a crossroad. Am I right here? Vision takes you a crossroad. For instance, the old thing is when you have a vision to tithe, to prosper, to give, it takes you to a crossroad and says, are you going to do it? Or are you going to invest in you, invest in property, invest in stocks, invest in it? Are you going to have a vision for serving God financially? So we, we're at a crossroads. Then... Uh, Vision demands choices. So we meditate on things, but then we have to choose. There comes a clock where it strikes and all of a sudden we have to choose. Are you going to go this way or that way? And vision makes you do that, makes you have to choose. I can tell you, do you know the people that don't have a vision and they never change? They never make decisions. They never make choices. It's never established under them because there's never anything that says, we got to know right now what you're doing and what you're going to do. Amen. We've all been there. And then the last thing, uh, if if vision reveals choices and choices demands decisions, then decisions will open up events. Dr. Cole always said decision is the place of power. We want the power and then we'll decide. Show me, Lord, what you got and then we'll decide based on what we see or what we feel or what the need is. But he just gives it in a vision in here and wants you and I to make a decision, a choice, so that he can bring the event to pass. So we don't see anything. We don't feel anything. But decision then is a form of faith that opens it up to us. All of a sudden, it's the place of power. Once you engage the vision by making the choices and uh, and choosing that you're going to do it, suddenly, I've seen this over and over, the power comes to do it. You know that, uh, what was that movie of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and uh, Harrison Ford was going to have to cross this chasm and the bridge was there but it was invisible and he had to step out there wow. and as soon as he stepped then the bridge became visible. I mean, it's sci-fi, I'm not trying to say this is spiritual but I'm, it's a type of what we're talking about here where you just have to put your foot out there and let the Lord catch you. Almost all people without vision want the old to dry up before the new will, excuse me, they want the new to be revealed before they'll walk away from the old. But it never, never, never works that way because faith's not involved. It's just a business decision. It's just a financial decision. And yet he says, I want you, even if it's looking good where you are, and I've been here, it was looking good where I was. He said, but I want you to go over here. Without pain, without suffering, there's nothing here that says we we got to make a decision. It's just like the vision is demanding that we do something. So God reveals Himself in the events. He does not reveal Himself in the consecration or the vision. He just puts it in there, and you recognize it. You start working it out to see: is this from God? Are this just me? Is this ambition? Is this selfish? Is this worldly? Or is this heaven? Because it doesn't have feeding little children and it doesn't have uh, big crusades in your vision. It just has go to Bible school or move or change this. There's no compelling reason except the vision is passion. And you give to that passion and suddenly you change. So God reveals himself in the events. And when you see the event, then you're willing to do anything to engage to the creation. In other words... Once you see where this is going, then you give yourself totally. You go, well, if I'd seen that way back then, back then, I would have done more. He saves it. Faith is involved. I wrote down that if your vision does not awe you, A-W-E, bring you into awe, like, oh, my goodness, then there's a little too much self in that vision. Because every vision I've ever heard of that was from heaven was impossible. There was nobody that said, i if God doesn't come through, we got this. Well, you don't have God's vision. You just got a a business plan. You have something that's going on. So if, uh, you know, we're taught in the world. I I read a survey today. I'm going to bring it Sunday. But it talked about that uh, when they do these surveys, they ask people, what is your religious affiliation? And it used to be N-O-N-E was a small number. None. But now it's up to, I think I read 29% of all people asked. They're, un, they're unhooked. And this was from 10 years ago when it was 19%. So it's getting darker out there. Maybe it's more religious, but it's getting lighter in here. I can see things that I've never seen because of the light. And uh, so if, if the church is taught that you can't have answered prayer, and we are, the world is taught. The, the church world is taught to expect unanswered prayer. I say, I move, I make a motion that we defy that. And we make every prayer answered. That we, we ask prayers that God has already said yes to. And we move forward every single time we utter or we engage the will of God. We just say, okay, I'll ask him and then we'll, we'll go. Instead of, I'll ask him and we'll see what he says. Prayer is not supposed to be much asking. It's decreeing and declaring. It's agreeing with the word. Um, I read something that Debbie wrote down a long time ago, and it was uh, uh, that money is in the wrong place. That money is in the wrong place. Would you agree with me if I said money is in the wrong place? Where should it be? It should be in my place. It should be in my hands. It should be under my control. And the reason we had not had that is because we haven't had developed vision. We've been waiting for the prophets and the apostles and all the great men, Bible school and and all that, to tell us what to do. Well, we'll give to them and they'll know what to do. But the truth is, you and I are supposed to be doing it. Who else is there? There's not anybody else. It's us. So uh, anytime we have to beg for money... Would you say we run in unbelief? Because money's everywhere and God wants you to have it, but it's in the wrong place. So we have to move it from where it is, the wealth of the wicked. We have to move it into the hands of the righteous. And we do that with vision. You have to have something that God wants to fund before he'll fund it. You got you to have a million dollar vision to get, million, to get a million dollars to move out of wherever it is into your life. Now that's this right here, we go million dollars, please get this down to twenty thousand or something that we can all but we're we've been talking about exceeding abundantly above and getting out there beyond where we can even see where we're going and just saying we're gonna go there anyway. Getting out of our our character or our comfort place. Um, I used to ask the Lord, have I asked too big? And as soon as he doesn't say anything, you know to keep going. Amen. Okay, I'm going to just I'm just going to do. I've got something else here I want to share. Three words he gave me in 20. And I want to just go over those real quick. God wants every day to reflect what he's put inside of us. Every day we should advance the vision. But he told me three words. The first word was stalwart. Would you say it with me? Stalwart. I am stalwart. That word, I looked it up again, it means strong, valiant, fearless, indomitable, staunch, tenacious, and vigorous. It means strong, valiant, fearless, indomitable, staunch, tenacious, and vigorous. I am stalwart. Well, you don't feel like it, do you? It has nothing to do with it. The vision needs us to be stalwart. It will never grow up. It will never change the world until we become stalwart. The next word he gave me was resilient. These were the strangest words when he gave these to me. They were, they were, I wasn't reading anything. He just said, I want you to be these. Resilient means strong. Again, like stalwart, it means to be tough, quick to recover. Resilient would be something that you could bend, and then when you let go, it would go back to its original form. Uh, Quick to recover, rebounding, it would be pliable, and it would be adaptable. So I am resilient. I am resilient. I am resilient. When the devil brings all hell to you, the storm is raging, but like Paul said, I've been beaten with rods, shipwrecked this, and cast away that. He said, but I'm resilient. I'm still on the road. I'm st- it's like that's an event, that's my story, but it means nothing. And the last word was fierce, which is sort of a negative word if you look it up in a dictionary. It's kind of a, uh, uh, a uh, it's not a very spiritual word, but until you look it up in another way, it, says, it means to be strong again, then bold. If you're fierce, you're bold. You know, you can pray for boldness. You can't pray for faith. You can't pray for hope, but you can pray for boldness. It means to be ferocious, of course. Intense. I'm intense. The vision in me is to be intense. I must have this ingredient in the cake if we're going to bake it. It means to be passionate. Are you passionate this evening? Are you leaving 21 with a passion? And then it means to be enthusiastic. I tell you, we can all be enthusiastic. If we're not enthusiastic, the world is probably taking more than its share out of our life. You'd be amazed, and I guess you are uh, when you do it, that when, when a little waitress comes up and says, how are y'all doing? And you just tell them, I'm having an amazing day. Or just say, so good. And it stops them every time she said, and she'll say, she said to us many times. Well, I hadn't had anybody tell me that. and Okay, so you've got a connection there. Just to be enthusiastic about your day, your life, where you've been. Last scripture, Philippians chapter 3. We'll quit with this. The passage of time is the enemy of vision. Philippians chapter 3. The passage of time is the enemy of vision. What does it say in Galatians chapter 6? It says... uh, here, I'll just read it. I happen to come to it. <sighs> Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Yeah, that, that due season is what's elusive. That due season, Lord, when, when is due season, you'll know when it comes. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Would you read it with me? Because it's already in first person. Ready, read. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Would you read it again with me? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, if you've got a vision that's wanting to get bigger, can we read it again? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. In Christ Jesus, you were created, I was created for the vision that's inside. It's peculiar, it's specific, it's unique, certainly personal. No one else has one like you. No one's equipped to do the vision that's in you like you. No one's going to be required to account for the vision that's inside of you. You can blame things, people, lack of money, how you got seventeen kids, or whatever. All that would be in there, but the Lord He's just, and He gave us a vision that equals our life. He didn't He didn't deal a deck of vision out and say, "I don't know who's going to get what." He was He was personal when He gave you your vision. So I say that we enter twenty twenty two, passionate, enthusiastic, strong resilient, flexible, and yet passionate, stalwart, resilient and fierce. That we take no prisoners with our one and only life. That we put everything on the line. That's on that we can put on the line with the expectation that we'll put more on the line tomorrow. All you can today, but tomorrow we're going to do more. Amen. So Lord Jesus, we thank you right now for the vision of the kingdom of God that in heaven must be accomplished, is being accomplished, and is fulfilled in accomplishment. We thank you for the vision in each of us that fits the vision in all of us and that fits heaven. We will do what's inside of us. We will see it. We will lay hold of it. It shall be established unto us, and the light shall shine upon our ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a great year we're going to have. I believe 2022 will be dramatic. I really believe that you're going to see things that you've been almost weary in well-doing. We're going to see some due season in 2022. It is amazing. We are ready for this turn. Uh, We're ready. We're not ready for the whole thing, but we're ready for this turn. And when we're ready for the next turn, he'll bring it. Amen. Thank you, Barry. Praise God.